Hey, and welcome everybody to Draft Politics. It's episode 29, another big week in the news. I'm EJ, and with me as always... It's Steve. Yeah, we're doing things a little differently this week. Uh, we're recording remotely due to various forms of illness infecting our households. Uh, I've got a bit of a head cold, and apparently uh, you've got strep floating around your home. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm currently in one of those like level three hazmat suits. So if I sound a bit echoey, that's the uh, that's because it's yes. inside of the face mask. Um, it is the hot zone here. The hot stuff. Yes, so plas- plastic bubble edition uh, <laughs> of drinking draft politics. So yes, uh, so yeah, and also this means uh, the background noise is going to be a little bit different. I might fill some in. We'll see what happens. Uh, and are you, well, we'll get to the beer segment later. We'll find out what's going on. With I that. do have but, a beer in my hand, uh, so that's... Okay, you have a beer in your hand. I am sticking with water because I'm going to hit the NyQuil tonight instead. So. Nice. Well, you should have just had your NyQuil. Have, the beer break and right. our review of <laughs> the new that's kind of a, a licorice aftertaste. Yeah, the NyQuil IPA. Why doesn't NyQuil yes. make an IPA? I'd probably buy that. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, what an incredible historic week. I'm sure that's what everybody says now. A, an incredible right. historic week in Washington. So many things. So many things. So I guess we should start yes. talking about Mike Huckabee. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's talk about. <laughs> oh no, no. We'll get to. Yeah, that. we'll get to. We'll get to the huckster. Uh, yeah. Impeachment, and we've got articles of impeachment headed to the floor. Yeah. So we got a Judiciary Committee. There's hearings going on, et cetera, et cetera. Last night they were doing this extended marathon markup session. Uh, they decided to go ahead and end the session late last night and not vote until this morning to sort of presumably save themselves the trouble of Republicans being, it was buried in the dead of night. No, no, it was at 10 in the morning. Shut up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, we've got... Uh, it was like a 13-hour meeting yesterday. Yeah. For markup and, you know, and then of course, approval. A lot of that was a lot of bureaucratic wrangling by Republicans to try to throw throw sand in the gears of all this. So you, you're right. There were two uh, two articles of impeachment. They really had things very narrow. So we've got an abuse of power article. Um, and you know what? Unlike the, the Mueller report, I think these are all very, very readable. Um which was which was nice. So we've got the yeah. obstruction of Congress and we've got abuse of power. So two uh, two articles of impeachment um, went through markup. I, I, one of the things that I found kind of interesting, mostly infuriating, but kind of interesting were the ways that they were trying to the Republicans were trying to amend the were trying to amend or get rid of the articles uh, through voting over the last couple of days. So. You know, trying to remove the abuse of power article, trying to change the language in them so they say things like a well-known corrupt company, <laughs> Burisma. Right. Uh, they try to change like written reasons why things, why the money was released. It was really a, a, you know, sort of kind of flailing attempt 
Um, and well, and it's 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 kind of annoying because it's like we know none of that's going to happen. Like I think there was like one minor change that they wanted to have. Oh yeah, it was instead of saying Donald J. Trump, it's Donald John Trump. Oh, was it? Was the time spent to work that out really crucial to all of this? I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I, I and I I kept thinking to myself as I was seeing it, like, are they, you know. What's the purpose? You know, like it's going to pass if it's if it takes, you know, six hours or 13 hours. Uh, the end is the same. So why are they why are they fighting? So yeah, much? I, I mean, my best guess is that they're just trying to, like, show that they're throwing a fight and also, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they've got lots of talking points and then go back to the to their constituents to be like you know we've tried to make this right and da 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 you know I don't know I mean all of this is through a parallel universe right it's like what they perceive and what we perceive are not the same thing yeah it it was a little surreal and then of course it was like 1030 at night everybody seemed like they were wrapping up Jerry Nadler gets up there and he's like well we've got a very important decision to make Everyone should vote with their conscience. They should think about what they're going to do. But you know, it's been a long day, man. Let's call it a day. Let's pack it in. And we'll, uh, con- right. we'll reconvene tomorrow. And, like, everybody freaked out. Everybody freaked out. It was worth it just to see Collins and Jordan, like, their heads nearly explode. Just, oh, what, you can't do this. Like, oh, it was, it was amazing. And then this morning, no, no. 9 a.m., 10 minute session yeah like we're done click (laughs) yeah no it's it's completely absurd um i think the only thing that's even more absurd than that is how how mcconnell who while he shouldn't surprise me in in his you know complete flouting of any sort of you know impartiality or, or whatnot uh is apparently working directly with the white house on the impeachment process uh, yeah total like, coordination i think were the words yeah total coordination by his own admission in public uh apparently uh, representative val demings has called this out uh because as part of the process of impeachment he's required to take an oath and in that oath he's required to swear to be and Im- provide impartial justice <laughs> which obviously he cannot do no i mean he's he said he's not impartial yeah. So, which is great, uh, except for the fact there's like no enforcement mechanism. Basically, he should recuse himself, but we know that's not going to happen. I wonder if I wonder if Chief Justice Roberts could actually force force like, throw a juror out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think. I mean, because at that point he throws all the Republicans out because none of them are being impartial here, and then you know, same result. He throws all the Democrats. There's like. You know, be one person left. It'd be like, yeah, relatively neutral. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the number of articles. What are you? How do you feel about there only being there being two? I don't want to say only two because that. Well, you know. I, I guess I guess what it comes down to is this: if that was the difference between getting almost all the Democrats on board versus you know a dozen of them saying, no, I don't, I don't buy into the rest of this. Then I think it makes sense. I I would prefer that it was 
literally all the Democrats. That would look better. Uh, but we already know that uh, Jeff Van Drew is against it uh, because of, you know, the, his him being in a uh, Trump heavy district. So uh, beyond that, though, I think probably it's the right approach at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was a little surprising to me, partially because they had you know talked up bribery so much um, in the intelligence community in the intelligence committee, and that word was used a lot. Maybe it didn't pull test well, but you know. Well, I think it's partly that the risk was they'd get bogged down in a language dispute over whether it was bribery or not, and that would distract from the charge. Whereas if they just make it abuse of power generically, it's like they don't have to worry about trying to defend, well, is it bribery or not, and getting into like the technical nuances of, of what that means. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, it's technically extortion, and so that's not bribery, and so this isn't right, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and you could, you could absolutely see the Republicans say, like, you can't, it can't be bribery. That was extortion. Oh, yeah. But he didn't do it. If he had done it, it would have been extortion, but he didn't do it. So you can't call it bribery. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I think it also... I, it, they're almost easier to understand, I think, from a, a narrative arc as well. You know, to just say, to be able to, to come out and have a very di- digestible story for people. It's not overly complex. You know, it's it's clear you're using your office to benefit yourself. Not worried about the emolument stuff. Not worried about, you know, all of the other things that I think we all think are are painfully clear that he's that he's doing but when you're trying to you're trying to one convince lots of people who are probably on the fence uh you want to have something simple and two when you've got you've got representatives in districts who are you know going to have to defend their vote uh you want to make it as easy as possible for them if possible you know it may not be possible to make it easy Uh, i you know we'll the Democrats will probably lose some seats over it. Um, I don't. I, I don't think Democrats are going to lose any seats over this. I mean, the reality of this is is that Trump voters are, I think, as activated as they're going to be at this point. And and whether impeachment happened or not, the same language would be in play about all of this. Well, you know, so it's like because you I mean we already had the Mueller investigation, so they'd harp on that if they hadn't done this. So yeah. I don't think Democrats are really at risk there. I think Jeff Andrew, I mean, I think he's misplaying this, to be honest. But you know, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. All right. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting. Uh, it will be interesting to see how everybody votes. I mean, I think they're expecting the vote next Wednesday next wednesday yeah it sounded like next wednesday uh it sounded like nobody was really 100 percent sure but that was sort of the rough timeline of it mm-hmm. so we'll see yeah i mean i i'm gonna be watching that i mean it, yeah. it'll be it'll be a little bit of a I mean, we already know kind of how i mean i guess it's part of the frustration of all this is like we know how this is all gonna play out <laughs> like we yeah. know okay here's the people who are gonna vote for it here's the people who aren't gonna vote for it it's gonna pass and then, you know, and then it gets, you know, shut down in the Senate. So, yay. So have you heard anybody say that there's any chance that some Republicans will break ranks either probably not in the House, but it but in the Senate? 
Is there a chance yeah, one the, senator votes to remove from office? Yeah. So I guess Weld, who is running against uh, Trump, or was he? Is he still running against uh, Trump? For as far as I know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I keep wondering because I can't imagine he's gonna. Well, he's not gonna win, so I don't know why he's bothering. But I mean, anywho, Weld twenty twenty uh, is still up. Well, there you go. So uh, he claims that there's like half a dozen Republicans in the Senate that are uh, t- considering voting in favor of impeachment. I suspect that that's uh, an exaggeration. <laughs> I mean, I suppose there's probably half a dozen who don't like Trump and, and part of them wants to vote for, to impeach him. But I can't imagine that's going to happen. If I got if we got one, I'd be. Fired. Yeah, I think I, I, I would love to see the betting markets on this. Is there, you know, that there's one person who votes, there's one person who votes yeah. to one Republican. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, given that we've had one Republican turn on Trump and he had to stop being a Republican to do it. Yeah. <laughs> probably not so, a big, yeah. probably not a big chance of that. And I just want to confirm something. Uh, you can still buy Bill Weld apparel and other swag. Oh, good. If you want. So, there the go. Weld 2020 site is up. Uh, you, can, you can go get yourself a hat, uh, maybe a polo shirt. I feel like there's a market for, like, obscure coffee mugs from, you know, campaigns that nobody even knew existed. I, I mean, don't think that I'm not thinking about buying a Bill Weld t-shirt. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Or a Bill Weld iPhone 7 case. To be followed by a conversation a few years of, why do you have all these T-shirts? <laughs> it's fair. I'm not going to get the bill. They're going to be socks. valuable someday. <laughs> someday. <laughs> oh, you can get an embroidered apron. All right, Bill. Oh, Weld. there you go. That would be. That would be something. Cooking with Weld. Cooking with Weld. Boy, that'd be a great TV show. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Bill Weld uh, is going to start a cooking show. You heard it here first. With all, right, exactly. with all of those aprons that he got. Actually, it should, have, it should be like a welding apron. Oh, my God. Right? Yes, it should be. Why can't I buy a mask? Why can't I buy a right? welding mask? I don't. <laughs> clear, clear, now you know why he's not hey, I'm winning. submitting some feedback right now <laughs> on weld2020.org. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the rhetoric is going to continue. Next Wednesday is going to be a hoot. And then we'll get to the we'll get to the trial, which I predict will last twelve minutes. <laughs> I think they're going well, to try to call gotta no have, You know, so they they do apparently like there is some formality to it. Like there will be opening statements. Uh, you can expect that the opening statement from the, the Democratic side of the argument will be very well thought out and very good narrative and all that sort of stuff. And the Republicans will will scream. <laughs> For five minutes, <laughs> that's all it will be. Is just, just, just screaming. <laughs> I mean, there is a question of you know, I, you know, every time I think that, you know, they're something's going to be reasonable, or you know, they always, you know, go right back into crazyville. But you know, you could see there being a strategy in a case for having a very level moderated person come in and lay out the case can't be that steve Cantor guy that not steve Cantor, uh the you know the right. person they had 
doing all of their their testimony in judiciary who showed up with the stuff in a grocery bag. I mean, I guess they could yep. bring him. That guy had no answers the entire time. Um, but I could see I could see their there being a strategy to have somebody very respectable and measured as their, you know, as the person making the case for the president. Okay. Uh, have you met them? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Because I th- that doesn't really seem to be their brand yeah. right now. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a question of, is it, you know, do they, they just say it's, it's all illegitimate, so we're going to scream and it's going to be illegitimate and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, or I mean, basically, what will play well on Fox yeah. News, that's your answer. What can, what can Hannity clip 20 seconds of and then say, this is all a sham? Yeah, it doesn't matter. He'll, he'll clip anything and say it's a sham. Yeah. Okay. Whew. Can we talk about my... Although, you know what he won't say is a sham? Trump's 2024 re-election campaign. Oh, yeah, it's true. Sure. Yeah. 2024. Yeah. 2024. Mike Huckabee. <laughs> yes. Apparently, Mike Huckabee was uh, going to be going on to Hannity's program to talk about him being the head of Trump's 2024 reelection campaign. And apparently, the theory being that because of all these investigations or whatever, technically speaking, Trump hasn't had a full term. And so, therefore, he can have three terms. Mm. If Obama had only considered that theory, he would be president right Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) But, you know, hey, uh, you know, if if we get one more Supreme Court justice going the wrong way, who knows what crazy stuff would happen? I know. Now I feel like I feel like I want to watch the I want to watch the interview, but I want to watch it through a VPN from Russia. Probably get better. Right. Um, Yeah. Huckabee. Huckabee. You know, it's funny. It's like that guy. Like, I remember back when he first ran for the presidency. Yeah. The impression I recall being left with was, yeah, he's a religious guy that I'm not on board with. But he actually is a fairly, like, likable guy. And and I don't, you know, that that may be a completely inaccurate assessment of him. But that was the impression I recall. Now it's just like. Seriously? <laughs> like this is like, oh, you know, we don't have a democracy anymore. It's cool. Yeah, it's it, he is, I think, a really good bellwether of the just de-evolution of the Republican Party over the last yeah. decade. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Um, it's maybe it's mostly terrifying because they're still winning in places. Um, yes. Can we talk about my favorite world traveler? Absolutely. Mayor Giuliani thought that this was a yes, great yes. week. Just a great, a fantastic week to go to Eastern Europe to try to dig up dirt on the Bidens. He, he does not give a f- <laughs> I mean, they're like, hey, hey, no, no, nothing ever happened. There was no, no pressure, nothing weird going on. Nothing at all. We, don't, don't worry about it. That was just you guys are just seeing shadows that don't exist. Where's Giuliani? Dies over there digging up dirt, putting pressure on people. I like you. Yeah, do. I, I I can't believe that. Like I just feel trolled all the time. 
Right. <laughs> it's like it's like you know it's it's. Do they not care, or do they, are they just messing with us, or are they sure that all of their voters aren't going to hear about it because it's going to Fox News isn't going to cover it at all, or even if they did, that they wouldn't care. Right? They'd be like, ah, oh, Giuliani doing his job. Of course, he's in Ukraine digging up dirt on Biden. What else would he be doing? That's what that's what a good Democratic person would do. Uh, yeah, he's not sure. representing his friend Lev Parnas, fraud guarantee, right. uh, who I guess they're trying to get his bail revoked now, right? So he's out on bail. Yeah. Uh, and they're trying to get it revoked because of, what, a million-dollar payment from Russia? <laughs> yeah. You gotta, in, this is in September, you know, around the time that we were, you know, having all this uh, unfolding with the Ukraine scandal and everything. It turns out Lev Parnas is getting paid by Russia. Because of course he is. I mean, right? Like that's, there's no other way that could be working. It couldn't be, yeah. you know, he couldn't be getting money from Giuliani. It's got to be, it's got to be from Russia the only way to make that story kind of complete. Good old Lev. Yeah. yeah. Good old Lev. Nice one to bring it full circle for Lev us. Lev you know? remembers. I like the, the narrative arc. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty much all we've got on impeachment. There's not been any, you know, no more fact witnesses. Uh, we're, you know, we've got what we've got. And, you know, we'll kind of see what happens when, you know, they bring it to trial in the Senate. You know, hopefully the uh, the that initial opening statement will be very meaningful and and shift the opinions of the vast majority of Republican primary voters but I'm not betting. I I can really only hope that somehow Rudy Giuliani has to testify. That to me is the oh yeah. That is what I'm looking for. Just from an entertainment yeah. value, I I would love to see him testify. Um, oh yeah. Oh, please. Well, you know, and I do wonder, you know, if there is going to be after this run of impeachment, if there will be additional hearings etc i mean you know because it's it's not like there isn't other there aren't other irons in the fire at this yeah. point so they could theoretically pursue other things and file other charges later you know knowing full well they'd hit a brick wall but you know there's still a possibility I well it, and what's interesting actually you know when you, you start not thinking about congress but thinking about you know thinking about all of the uh the other sort of things that are swirling like in the Southern district of New York, you know, this week, the Supreme court said that they were going to take up the case sort of about whether or not, uh, the president can be investigated. So that's, that's interesting. And that will have some pretty far reaching implications. Um, for sure. And, uh, you know, as you said, like the impeachment is one thing. That's a political thing. But we know that there are criminal investigations that are going on. We know that there are civil investigations going on. We know that Donald Trump just settled for $2 million the, you know, the case about his charity defrauding people out of out of money. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, yeah. And that's not even a big story. Imagine what you have to do. To get to the point where, yeah, I've I've just had to pay two million dollars because I was defrauding people through my charity, and it's not even a big deal. Like, well, of course he was. Come on, we all knew he was going to do that. Yep, 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 yep. 
But there has been stuff going on. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, the rage, the rage is is getting real. We should talk about. I think we should talk about you know things that have actually happened in Congress this week. Like some things have been yes. passed well, in the last couple weeks. Yes, and well, we're working on getting the uh, USMCA, which is the follow-up to NAFTA, and that's uh, supposed to be voted on, I believe, next week. Uh, but basically, there's been some negotiation around what's going to be in it, what's not going to be in it. There's some bad things that Trump put in it that have been pulled out. Um, Overall, it seems like it's a improvement over the current NAFTA plan. Um, there's uh, some additional labor protections that are built yeah. into it. Um, they're going to require uh, for like vehicles being built in North America, they're going to require a greater amount of the parts be from North America. So that would mean less outsourcing of those parts to China, etc. Yeah. Um, so those are some things that could shift things. Um, and the pay rate the thing was, I, in, was interesting as well. So, so a certain percentage of the car has to be built in plants where people are making more than sixteen dollars an hour, which in yeah. Mexico is a big deal. Uh, and that's you know it, it, yeah, it's yeah. a good way to um, sort of level things between uh, the U.S., Canada, and, and Mexico in that in that account. Yeah, um, the biggest thing I think is is a very technical thing um this concept of investor state dispute settlement and what this did was it allowed for a business to sue a country under the auspices of the trade agreement so basically if you know so you got this free trade agreement and let's say there's an environmental policy change in canada that would affect a business and how much money they can make on what they're doing, that business could then sue Canada mm. under this agreement and potentially get damages. And the scope of it was they could basically sue for any future damages. So if you know, let's take an extreme case is if you're an oil company and they say, okay, we're not going to do, you know, because of climate change, you know, there's not going to be oil sold in Canada anymore or whatever. Okay, so if that ever happened, then the oil companies could sue them not just for the damages at that moment, but could sue them for all oil being sold for the rest of eternity. Seems legit. <laughs> and so, right. And so what you saw in terms of how it was actually being used is it was mostly being used by U.S. corporations suing Canada because Canada had stricter regulations yeah. on things. Um and so what they're doing is they're limiting it now so that the scope of damages is only for actual damages, like things that are actually being and, and basically things being taken from you. So uh, it's it's requires a much more substantial thing. Um, and there's some other nuances to it. But basically, this is one of the biggest problems with uh, the TPP agreement that ended up getting uh, canned by Trump is it also had that same thing, with that same overly broad scope. And uh, this seems like some real substantial reform as far as that goes. That's, I, I knew nothing of that. That's that's actually pretty pretty interesting. Um, I like it. It's got a good yeah, acronym, it's, it's, too. ISTIS. ISTIS, yes. It feels like it's uh, related to, like, you know, missile defense it does. somehow. Or it's a terrorist organization. Yes. We've got to combat ISTIS. Or, or, it's, <laughs> or it's almost a, an old technology 
for transmitting data over a phone yeah, line. Yeah, kind of like ISDN. Ah, oh, classic days of ISDN. So, yes. you know, look, I, I know a lot of people would say shouldn't give Donald Trump any wins. Um, I, I think that Nancy Pelosi and the crew will be able to take some, some positive things from this. Um, I think in the news cycle world, it's better to be able to say that they did some bipartisan action and also, you know, for those kind of Trump, uh, Trump district Democrat, uh, Democratic representatives, you know, they, they all had to run saying that they were, you know, they were going to work across the aisle. So they've got to have some things to take back to their constituents. Yeah. And I think as far as it goes, it's like, Trump will if they didn't pass if they don't pass. Well, I mean, it doesn't pass, but it, you know, assuming it passes, um, if they didn't pass it, then Trump would just be like, "Oh well, the Democrats obstructed this, and it was going to be better, and it was going to save American jobs, but Democrats ruined it." So it's, it, I mean, the propaganda has nothing to do with what's actually happening. So I don't think you can really worry about that angle on it. Um, yeah. 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 I think, you know, and ultimately, whatever positives come from this are not things that are going to be felt before uh, November of 2020. So it's not like, hey, suddenly there's, you know, millions of new manufacturing jobs that have appeared out of nowhere. Like, that's not a thing. Um, most of the uh, decline in manufacturing jobs and all that stuff is really unaffected by this. And, you know, that, you know, we should expect that, you know, the, the impact on the election is basically the same. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. And, you know, as we've we've kind of said before, a lot of things are baked into the poll numbers. Um, you know, so it's not like his base is going to get excited about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of shifting in no. any of that. At no, this no, point. no. Um, the I think the more interesting one was the announcement from both the U.S. and China that the the trade war is cooling off. There might be an agreement uh, that's put in place. I'll, I'll believe it yeah, when I see yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, at this point, like, we know that, you know, when Trump was, you know, a private citizen that he, you know, jerked the chain of the markets to try to make money on it. It, was, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the same kind of thing that's going on now. But who knows? I'm sure he'd love to have some statement that he, you know, got some big win out of China uh, before the election. But like I said, whatever agreement does or doesn't come out he's going to make it sound like he won oh yeah you know because that's yeah, how he i guess does. it doesn't matter <laughs> we should get the things that are better and uh, he's going to lie about whatever it is anyway yeah. so yep, yep, uh, yep. you know the one thing we we haven't mentioned that i i think is interesting um so in the last two weeks we've had a whole some great reporting about afghanistan and the war in afghanistan in Afghanistan and how essentially we've all been lied to the entire time. Um, yes. And the, the sheer amount of waste. Yeah. It's being described as the new Pentagon yeah. papers. I mean, it, uh, really astounding, astounding writing. Uh, um, listeners, if you haven't read it, I, take the time. Um, at least, at least read parts of it. It's, it, it really is. I, it really is great, great writing, great investigation. Um, and so important right now. And I, you know, we could probably dedicate a, an entire hour to that, um, but it's, it's not really on brand for us. Um, the, no. <laughs> the thing that I thought was 
also very interesting is that within you know a week and a half of that coming out, you know, the military was given an extra trillion dollars or something like that in the budget that was passed, the spending deal rather that was passed this week. Yeah, it was like seven hundred thirty billion or something like it was that. Three hundred yeah. billion amongst friends here, you know. Um, yep. And so. I found that really troubling. And there were some good things in that bill. Paid family leave. That is, uh, you know, some some really good things in that bill. Um, but I, I really found the the sort of the juxtaposition of seeing all that reporting and the, the increase in spending really shocking and troubling. And then the kind of follow-up being, why isn't anybody talking about that? Like, should I not be upset about yeah. this? Am I, you know. Well, what's what's interesting to me is how big of a deal the Pentagon Papers were, and how almost totally off the radar this was. I mean, it was going around and being reported, and people are hearing about it, but like, it was not like a, you know, a, a we, you know, a break in our reality where we're all focusing on this. It's like, oh yeah, and we wasted a bunch of money and 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 lives in Afghanistan, and that's that. Continue to, you know, like, yeah, right. Well, and 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 my takeaway from all of that is that it's very easy to start a war. It is very hard to end a war because. Even if you see no obvious strategic benefit to being there, there's a political cost to yeah. ending it. It is, you lost that war, you pulled out, and if something goes wrong afterwards related to that place where you were fighting, then that's political blowback that yeah. comes on you. So if Obama had pulled out of out of Afghanistan, then you know, then it's like if. Al you know, some Al Qaeda variant does something. Now Obama gets blamed for it, and his presidency is ruined. Yeah, whatever. yeah. It, it's you know, you break it, you bought it, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. And you know, you can't expect the military to be good at nation building or figuring out, you know, how things are supposed to come together or solve. Yeah, you know, seven hundred year old or thousand year old blood feuds between tribes in a you know artificially or arbitrarily created country halfway around the world um yeah well and it was interesting to see like the nature of the mistakes that obama was making versus the ones that that uh w bush was making it was like bush was like you know doing insurgency campaigns but like it was all like kind of helter skelter and there was no real like strategery to strategery and Obama then goes in there and is like, okay, well, we need to like, you know, you know, build up the country and all that. And let's, you know, surge in troops and, but we're going to do it. We have an 18 month timeline. It's like, well, that's not yeah. how this works. Like you can't just do that. And, but neither one of them recognizing the political reality of you, the, the U S is never going to sign on to the kind of persistent presence you'd need to actually build that country up. If that's even possible, which I'm not sure yeah. it is. Yeah. <sighs> Whew. Heavy, man. So, don't start, don't start wars. wars. That's that my memo the, to you. I'll try not to. I will try not to. Like, yes. like every time I think yes. about... Yeah, Drink there we beer. go. Don't exactly. start Every wars. time you, know, you pick up your phone, you're thinking about starting a Twitter war with a 16-year-old climate celebrity. Maybe don't do that. 
Think about your exit strategy exactly. before you do it. <laughs> Think about the exit strategy. Uh, so international news, there was obviously some some very interesting stuff in the UK. The elections yesterday, the Conservatives, yes. big big win, big win for the Conservatives yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, I think of the overall history of what's been going on with the UK and US. It's, you know, UK, they go to Brexit, they say, hold my beer. The US, we, we say, hold my beer, and we elect Trump. And now, no, no, hold my beer, and UK... Uh, now we have the UK's beer, which, which was probably warm to begin with, and is now even warmer. So that's yeah. kind of sad. We should probably just drink the beer instead. Should all just drink the beer. So I, yes. you know, and I looked at that, and I think we all kind of thought that this was going to be a bit of a referendum on Brexit. And um, you know, when Theresa May had called snap elections before, and she was looking to get this result, she thought she was going to get this kind of result. And should be able to use that as a mandate to push through Brexit. Uh, and she lost seats. Now, you know, we're at that point where they've done it again and they've gained seats. So, you know, what is it about Boris Johnson that people think uh, evidently he's better to do this? I don't. Well, and I gather part of it is that they think Corbyn is yeah. worse. Yeah. Not charismatic. So. I don't know. I mean, I think. I mean, I think part of the problem is that Brexit is much more popular than it should be. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like it's not just something that falls along conservative versus liberal lines. That you know, that Corbyn didn't feel like he could run an anti-Brexit approach yeah. because there are some people who are nominal Labour supporters who like Brexit. Yeah, and if you read some of you know some of his Brexit policy, it was confusing, to say the least. I like yeah. I tried reading it, and I yeah. was like, well, maybe I just don't get it because, you know, I'm not living there. But it was it was perplexing, really hard to describe to anybody. Uh, and complex messaging typically does not work well for for candidates, and we'll I guess we'll talk about that when we talk about Warren yeah. in a little bit. But um, I uh, yeah. So the other, I think, big interesting thing out of this is that this probably increases the chance that Scotland will leave. They'll have their own. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Scots yeah. It. Yeah. They actually gain seats, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, and I think that overall, it's like if if Brexit does happen, which it seems at this point is normal certainty, uh, that would be a. a, a a natural thing for them to do is to pull out of the UK. So. Yeah. Uh, and I think the the quote from the, the Scottish national party sort of spokesperson was, you know, there is no mandate to pull Scotland out of the EU. We're not going, you know, that's the essentially what they, what they said. And I wish them luck. It will yeah. be very difficult for them to exist outside of England. Obviously the currencies are the same. It's not uh yeah, that's also, It'll, it'll be a whole new world it, of pain. It will be a whole new like who, world who, of pain. Who owes what debts, et cetera, yeah. It's, I mean, that's the thing of all of this, is like it's much easier to build these structures than it is to unwind them unless you're just, you know, blowing yeah. up some countries. It's like, you know, they, you know you, it's hard to pull out of the EU because of the currency. It's hard to pull, you know, because of the trade agreements. So it's just, it's just not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're... Uh, 
who knows how much pain that's going to cause. Certainly more than people are the the average voter is expecting. Um, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I've seen people trying to take what's gone on at the UK elections and trying to and say, you know, suggesting it's somehow foreshadowing what's going to happen uh, in the U.S. with Trump. And I think that's just it's it's a simplistic way of looking at it. The, the reality is the dynamics of that election versus the dynamics of our election are very different. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, of course. But I think that, you know, given what we've seen with the 28, uh, 2018 election, uh, you know, and, and, you know, special elections since then, that there is a shift against Trump that, you know, you can't see any sort of equivalent of that in, you know, the British election system and, you know, some sort of push against, you know, the conservatives. The conservatives have that majority and yeah. had that yeah, majority yeah. before. Uh, you know, it's not like here where it's like, you know, that the Democrats have, you know, obviously surged uh, into a better position than what they were. So, you know, we still got to show up and do the work, but I don't I don't see this Any, as, you know, predicting no, our doom. No, no, no. I, I couldn't anyway, because I, I have no ability to sleep until next December anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay. The circus. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. One other thing. Well, actually, one other thing that occurred to me when we, had, we need to talk about the international stuff is the uh, the strikes going on in France, um, where you've got uh, Macron having some issues with trying to reform uh, the pension system there. Uh, and and my understanding of it is basically that they've got this pension system where there's like sort of 45 or so different pensions, and he's trying to consolidate them into one sort of pension system. And what's happened is each sort of different union has negotiated their own uh, arrangements and so they don't want to give up you know what they fought for um and the thing that's probably hurt him the most or hurt macron the most is he wanted to raise the retirement age from 62 right. to right, right. 64 and so that's undermined you know even the more centrist unions which there's a broader sort of political coalition of unions in, in France than here, but uh, the more centrist unions are like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so uh, they've had big transportation strikes. That's been sort of the biggest problem. But uh, yeah, no, it's not looking no, good for him. No, right it now. isn't. I, I, he's, I, I mean, it's it's sort of been off and on since the Yellow Vest, uh, the Yellow Vest activities, you know, strikes, protests, whatever you want to call them. Um, he's he's yeah. had to fight through some turmoil for quite some time. Um I think, and one other thing that we've mentioned a few few times, they're going to have elections again in Israel because nobody can form a government. <laughs> right. Three three elections well, in you six months. You know, that months. happens when people get yeah. indicted. Three elections in six months. Um, yeah. Yeah, so unbelievable. Just don't bring back Netanyahu. That's all I ask for. Yeah, well, he'll be in jail eventually, hopefully. I think he moves here. All right. So, Circus so, 2020. Election Circus 2020. Even though yes. all of this is happening, we're still we're still carrying on. The candidates out and about. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, we I think we we have our our four you know the the forefront runners are still the forefront runners. Yeah, they're, they're shuffling around a little bit. Uh, it seems like Sanders is up a little bit. Uh, Warren had been falling off a bit, but she seems to have 
hit a floor and has come up a little bit. Uh, Buttigieg is down from where he was. Uh, he kind of had risen up, and then, you know, obviously what happens is kind of this whack-a-mole thing is somebody rises up, and there's more articles about them finding out what's wrong with them, and then they sort of fall down. Uh, but, yeah, and so, of course, Biden's still kind of holding his lead, uh, but we'll see what happens once, you know, some of the voting actually starts to unfold. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if we kind of look at some of those polls there, you know, nationally, uh I think Warren hit her peak somewhere in October around 28%. You know, Biden really has, has kind of yeah. been the same for, no, not 28%, rather, sorry, like 23%. Biden has been hanging out in that 28, you know, 27 to 28.5% since uh, yeah. August, and everybody else is doing the switching. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, it, I, I think once we get to the point of, you know, the Iowa caucuses, you know, New Hampshire, once those happen, you know, I suspect we'll see a shift in that, that, you know, Biden right now is currently running uh, third in Iowa. Yep. So, you know, he might fall off because of that. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I wonder how good I, I was reading some things that the polling, they're not really super sure about the polling uh, in Iowa. Um, and if you look at 538, which does, you know, sort of their polling averages and whatnot, uh, they have Biden in second place there, uh, but very close. It's yeah. like they have Buttigieg with 20.1%, Biden with 19.7%. Um, so Sanders 17.4%, Warren 123 So it's, you know, it's still pretty tight there with those groups. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see being that it's the a caucus system there, the get out the vote mechanism is going to be critical there and who has the best teams on the ground. I feel pretty confident that, you know, Sanders, Warren and Buttigieg will have a good team on the ground. Biden, I feel like it will be less so. That may be my own personal prejudices against him, but, I, I you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I... I would also kind of just call out what we saw a few weeks ago in the you know the polls that said who's your second choice, and like Biden's yeah. and Sanders' second choices were both Warren, um, and that's yep. you know again the way those caucuses work, second choice means a lot more, um, uh, and yeah, and yeah, go ahead. You look at like Klobuchar right now, who's at like six and a half percent. So she's the the way Iowa works is there's a fifteen yep. percent threshold. So if you get above fifteen percent, you get delegates. If you get below fifteen percent, you don't. And those votes end up going to somebody else. And uh, and it also works both at the state level and at the local level. So you could like get under fifteen percent in one precinct, but more than fifteen percent in a different precinct. Um, who do those Klobuchar voters go to? Do they go to Warren? Do they go to Sanders? I mean, of that list, I feel like Warren might be the best landing place for them. And I probably check that second preference uh, you're referring to. And that might get. Yeah, uh, we'll see which side of the gym are they going to walk to. I, I've got to tell you, like, I kind of want to go to Iowa to see it because I've heard about it so much. But I, I want to kind of see the, you know, the activity, um, the activity actually happen in real time. People shuffling around. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, and it's 
part of me finds the whole thing novel and interesting. Part of me finds the whole thing, you know, just it, it's deeply problematic in a, you know in our modern world and our understanding of like, hey, people have jobs that they can't necessarily leave, and how you know it's a fairly ableist approach mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. elections. Like, hey, can you stand around a gym for several hours? Like, you know, it's 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 definitely a flawed pro, uh, process but i don't see it changing anytime nope. soon no they like it too much they like to be weird so and i yes they like to be weird and you know nobody's going to stand up to them because if they do they'll lose in iowa and they'll never be president there you go <laughs> um <laughs> so there there you go so clearly i'm not running for president well, you still can man yeah it's all right i don't I don't, don't, I don't really, really want it. it. Let's talk about somebody who... That's a, it, that job would suck. It would <laughs> would suck. Um, you know, in a fun kind of way. Honest, you know what? Actually, here's the thing. The job would suck. The one thing I would really appreciate about that job is the cooking that comes with it. Like, having, like, chefs making all sorts of, like, really awesome meals, like, whenever you want them on demand, like, that would be just brilliant. Just sitting there, you can order McDonald's anytime, Uber Eats, comes right, right to... Because <laughs> that, that's what I do. I'd be like, yep, McDonald's, <laughs> 24-7. I need those right nuggets. Now. I need Go. those nuggets. <laughs> those fries would be so cold by the time they got <laughs> We gotta to go through security. <laughs> right! Uh, so, let's talk about somebody who does want to Anyhow. be president. That's uh, Michael Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg. That guy. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, I ran into a guy who was collecting signatures for Mike Bloomberg as I was coming out of the grocery store the other day. And typically what happens with people gathering signatures is they'll have a clipboard. They'll have, like, multiple clipboards with multiple things they're gathering signatures for. So, like, he's gathering a signature for a judge. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I get to a slate of uh, delegates and you know the way this works is you get like you know six names i think it is on the list and you're signing to say these are the delegates you want and i see at the top of the list pat o'connor and i'm like that pat o'connor oh, oh hell no so i'm like i'm not gonna sign that one let's see what the next one is oh mike bloomberg no and i wondered like why is he out there you know it's not a cold day but it's not you know why is he standing out there wasting his time apparently bloomberg is paying six bucks yeah. a signature for people to gather signatures for him to get on the ballot yeah i mean I, that so you know i know some people in some campaigns um and the delegate thing is you, know, you vote for the delegates so you're going to see delegates on your on your ballot come march 17th again i can't believe we have Election yes. day is St. Patrick's Day. I, that is going to be. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good day. Oh, whew, I don't even know what's going to happen that day. I don't. Chicago might not make it through. Yeah, I don't currently have any plans to be like handing out slate cards or anything on, on March 17th. So maybe I will just, you know, go I, vote and drink. I am beer. definitely taking the day plan. off. Uh, it's the day after my birthday. So yeah. there you go. Um, you know, we should we should record. It that would be day. pretty that fun. Be pretty uh, I think, yeah, I think we we could get into some places, but and into some trouble. But there's so you're going to see on your ballot uh, delegates uh, delegates for you know for the convention, um, 
And, you know, the way that this has happened is that the campaigns actually create those slates. So people apply to be delegates. The campaigns create the slates. And then presumably the, you know, the organization of the campaign will help those folks get on the ballot, although anybody could do it. So you could have collected signatures to get on the ballot as a delegate for Elizabeth Warren. And if enough people voted for for you, you would could have been a delegate. Um, so it, it's it's kind of a you know it's an interesting process, I guess. Uh, and we were talking to people about the Bloomberg campaign, and uh, there were the the one overwhelming theme was they can't believe how much money he's spending. Like so, it's not just six bucks a signature, which is a big number. And these were people working for other campaigns and they're saying like, I may go collect signatures for him just so I could give that money back to the campaign I'm working on, which I thought was hilarious. But the, they're also paying <laughs> right. field organizers. No, that's great. Like $72,000 a year, $6,000 a month. Field organizers. Which is... Right, because field organizers are usually like, you know, slightly above unpaid intern kind of salaries, uh, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, the difference between, say, the Bloomberg campaign and the Warren campaign is, you know, several hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's not even really comparable. So I, that's, again, I, I don't know what kind of talent they think they're going to get. You know, I don't, I don't know that they're, they, you know, he's expecting like all these brilliant field organizers are going to leave other campaigns. I mean, these aren't, you know, most of them are not people who are, well, you know, have been around and they've got 12 years of experience. They're like 24, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And the, in the experience I've had from, you know, working on campaigns and dealing with people who are volunteers versus people who are paid to be there is the volunteers are, are enthusiastic. They're engaged with people. The people who are paid to be there are like doing the bare minimum to get paid. I, you know, I, now that's not what capitalism tells us is supposed to happen, yeah. but yet, yeah, it I does. mean, I, I, I know some true <laughs> believers on campaigns who are also getting paid, which is, which is cool. Um, oh yeah, but, yeah, for uh, sure. But you're right. Especially, especially on the canvassing side, you can tell when somebody is being paid to canvas because they're just like, well, just sign it if you want. Can't, can't tell you anything about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I looked at the, I looked at the, the clipboard and I'm like, Bloomberg. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Me neither. I'm not doing <laughs> like, it. I'm not even really trying to make a sale. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you, I saw uh, my first like Biden swag on, on a vehicle this week. Yeah, it really? was uh, okay. two Biden placards affixed to the basket, like paneer basket, on a bike parked at Costco. Okay. I don't know who takes a bike to. Well, actually, I do know who takes a bike to Costco because I found the guy in Costco. I didn't go looking for him, really. Right. Although I was keeping my eye out, <laughs> and it was. I, uh, you could probably guess things about this gentleman um I, I didn't even need to say his gender uh but you know it's mid to late 60s white guy he was and i'm not making this up sitting 
in the aisle in Costco that has like office supplies. They have office chairs. He was sitting in one of the office chairs reading the paper. Uh, and I know it was him because he had like three Biden buttons <laughs> on his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to hang out here I and mean, you can ask me about I, Biden I, here in the Costco. I considered going up and just talking to him about, about Biden. Like, hey, man. So tell me about Biden's yeah. plan for. I, I, I thought that would have been. Who's, yeah. who's this Biden guy? I haven't heard of him. Is he, uh, is he the guy that was the mayor of, uh, is he the guy, the mayor of Indiana? Um, I will say this. Uh, he, right. I think Biden did do something good this week. His campaign hired a, uh, the person who was running Cory Booker's digital team to run their digital team, which couldn't have been any worse. Like, okay. recognizing that their digital was terrible, Biden to 03303033.org. Um <laughs> I mean, that was a good move. Good move, Biden. Good move. So something you posted this week, and I've seen all over my Facebook feed, uh, is this idea of a Bernie media blackout. Um, And I think we should talk about that a little bit. I think. Yeah. So this has been an ongoing thing, and uh, is that there's people who are Sanders supporters who have been complaining about the way that the media covers Sanders and that there's a bias in the media. And what I've regularly seen as part of this, and I I don't entirely disagree with what they're saying. I think that there are biases where I, where I start to come into issues is kind of how they present this sometimes. So this example was a screen capture of a CNN segment where they're talking about a poll of California voters. Okay. And so you go look at the screenshot and it says uh, Biden, comma, Sanders lead amongst Latino voters. And or excuse me, Biden, there excuse you me, go. Biden, comma, yep. Warren lead amongst Latino voters. Yes, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Um, and you look at the polling and it shows uh, Biden is number one. Sanders is number two. Warren is number three. And so it's like, well, they aren't they aren't mentioning Sanders. It's a conspiracy. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see if I can find the video for this because that's yeah, yeah. my first thing whenever I see one of these. And like, as I looked up, you know, the name of that that program and the, you know the couple keywords, found it right away. Play the video; it's like a three minute segment, and it talks extensively about Sanders in relation to all of this. The only thing that's flawed is the Chiron, and if you look at the Chiron, it's like. It seems like what's going on is they just had trouble fitting the text into the space, and so they decided to just put Sanders or put Warren in there instead of Sanders, you know, or something like something like that. Clearly, it wasn't well thought out, and but it's not like a conspiracy. It's not like you know, oh, all those CNN viewers are now because of the secret subconscious projections of the Chiron now going to never vote for Sanders. That's not a thing. Actually, I was never that. That was me. That was. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I've, I've seen it other I, I've seen, you know, other places where people are saying, like, why isn't anybody covering this Sanders thing here? or Sa- Sanders thing there. Um, I, I, I don't. Again, I have trouble deciding if it's if I believe it's true because I'm too engaged, you know, like I'm I'm too engaged. Yeah. I'm too in it. I am. I'm seeking out uh, all of the information all of the time. And that's, you know, I think that's been a real, <laughs> it's hard for me then to, to gauge like, well, 
not getting is he not getting coverage that he should? I don't I don't know. Um, well, and and kind of where I sit on this is that I I do believe that when you look at CNN and MSNBC and how they're structured and who gets hired there and and what their audience is, that there is a bias to it. And you can see that in more yeah. the opinion side of things where they, you know, they bring somebody on and somebody's like going off about how terrible Sanders is and yada yada. On the more like news presentation side of it, I think what it comes down to is there's a there's a unconscious bias that basically says Sanders isn't going to win, that he's got like his core base of supporters, but that's it and that's in he's got a, too much of a ceiling. He's not going to go anywhere. And so anytime any of these things come up, they frame it that way yeah. without even really thinking about it. Like they cut Sanders out of a piece and nobody catches it because they're not thinking about it in those terms either. Um, so is there something that's working against him in a sense? Yes. But I reject the notion that there's like some movement against him. And, and what I constantly see is a sort of paranoia of, of Sanders supporters, yeah. um, at least a subset of them, that, that they're, you know, they're out to get our guy. And I feel like that's not constructive for either his campaign or, you know, if for some, you know, if Sanders does not win, you know, what the future is, you know, after the primaries. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just to to make one final point on that about the ridiculousness, the margin of error on that poll was 11%. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because we're talking about a poll that had a, you know, only had, you know, a few hundred people, and then it's a only the Latino yeah. voters in that was, poll. So it's like 11 point something percent. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's and what they really should have said was <laughs> it's a toss up, according to this poll, because, you know, fourth place and first yeah. place were 13 points apart. So doesn't doesn't matter yeah. um yeah. Whew. Whew. yeah it was a big week so, yeah. it was a big week so that's uh, luckily i've got yeah. this uh big Indeed. pond blonde ale from finch yeah y'all tell me all about it since uh, i am I not I, carrying a beer here. uh you know we've got we've got uh, uh some good beer selection at our house uh there's been a lot of kind of rotating through we you know try new things all the time and we got this six pack of uh finch big pond it's a blonde ale I, I i have gone back and forth on finch i'll be perfectly honest i've i've had a lot of their beers you know they used mm-hmm. to be in the space that is now um that is now twisted hippo and you know so i had some there i'd had them before threadless i think is a very uh, a very nice ipa that they make i had not had this big bond big pond before it's a it's a lighter drinking you know it's a 20 ibu five percent you know blonde ale it's pretty tasty pretty clean uh just just a really nice easy to drink uh drink beer while we're we're casting here um you know it's it's not as hoppy as i usually go for uh but it was a available and b cold uh which uh met most of my requirements uh in a beer yeah. 
You know, it occurs to me I'll do a, I'll do a little review of a beer that I picked up actually when we were recording at uh, Revolution. Uh, after after you left on my way out, I saw they had some beers to take home, and I thought I'd bring my my wife a present. So I picked up uh, Death Star, uh, and it was their uh, their plum version of it. So they like age it with plums, and it's. It was interesting. First of all, it's a very high octane beer. It was like eleven point something percent ABV. Uh, I mean, it's called Death Star, right? So. Yeah, right. No, it's it's Death's Tar. It's it's not oh, Death Death's Star. Tar. Right. Oh, sorry. Because if it's Death Star, then they get you know possibly sued. But Death's right Tar. It's fine. Tar. Yes. Uh, but it's in, it tasted very good. However, it is like. You're drinking a stout and prune juice at the same time. So it's a little wow. strange that way. And and perhaps there are, you know, certain digestive benefits to it. But uh, it was overall <laughs> a, a very tasty beer. We, we went through the four-pack of it quite quickly. So uh, good, nice. good job, I hope Revolution. not too quickly. Uh, no, if not, it was that high octane. Well, you know, there, were, there, was, there was a night or two where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, no, that's probably a little too much. But okay, it's fine. Wow. Uh, Whew. So yeah, well, but tonight, I, yeah, I, tonight I I'll be drinking Nyquil. So there Nyquil. you go. Like I said, like I said, they should have a they should have an IPA. Ooh, there we go. That Death's Tar is fourteen point eight percent. There that you is, go. That is something. Not kidding around. Yeah. So yeah, if you figure you know an average beer is you know like four to five percent. So you're talking basically three beers at once. <laughs> okay. Well now. Now I'm interested. You, right. <laughs> you had my, my interest. Now you have my attention. So. Yes, yes. So yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, we're not going to do a local segment this week. Uh, we don't have a lot going on, um, and also because of the another you know, weird recording situation this time, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But uh, however, I forgot to post the local segment from last week, so I might kick one of those in here uh, just to give you a little extra bonus assuming that it seems like it's not totally out of date at this point <laughs> there was a fun conversation about Johnson series cafe fired. in there so i feel like that's worth yeah. bringing in it, it is it is it definitely definitely is so. and next week will be a, a a big fun week impeachment vote we got a we've got a debate that may or may not happen because there's a looming strike and all of the candidates said that they weren't going to cross picket lines uh so we'll <laughs> we'll see what we'll happens. We'll see how next week goes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right. pretty much it. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Take, Take care. care.